Hello and welcome to the next episode in a Shoesmith podcast series on the COVID-19 pandemic and its impact on industry. My name is Hayley Saunders and I'm a partner in the business, crime and compliance team here at Shoesmiths. Today we are delighted to be joined by Stephen Dawson, who is a partner in our national commercial team and is a retail and consumer finance specialist with a particular interest in motor finance. Stephen also leads the firm's financial services sector, where he oversees the firm's growth in the financial services industry. And we do work with a number of financial institutions dealing with retail and consumer finance, motor finance, payments and innovation, asset finance, litigation and financial crime. Today we'll be discussing with Stephen the impact of COVID on the financial services sector, asking him questions about wider experiences of the pandemic, any lessons learned, the ultimate aftermath and then some thoughts towards the public inquiry which is set to commence its first public hearings in June. Stephen, thanks ever so much for joining us today. There's such a vast array of paths we could go down here, but it's probably easiest to begin from the start. Stephen, I wonder if you could help us with what was the immediate impact of the pandemic from the point of view of our financial services sector? Well, uh, I don't think that clients could have been uh, and certainly weren't ready for the scale of the impact from the pandemic. Lenders were faced with an impossible challenge, quite frankly, of keeping the lights on within their own businesses and at the same time responding to government intervention. So just when people were getting ill, working from home and resource was very slim on the ground. Uh, Financial services businesses are, of course, supervised by the FCA in particular with something called operational resilience in mind. In simple terms, it's about being able to continue to operate in the event of a serious event or serious circumstances. But maintaining this operational resilience was just impossible at times. Thanks, Stephen. And and what kind of policy intervention did we see at the outset? Well, I think we all recognise there was a great deal of government intervention. Many, many employees found out that they were simply not needed with little or no notice because human contact was effectively banned businesses were required to close. And in response, we saw the coronavirus job retention scheme costing somewhere in the region of £70 billion to ensure that the job market remained ready for a strong comeback. I believe in or around 11.7 million people benefited from that scheme. And of course, there was also the self-employment income support scheme for those who are self-employed, which was a little less generous. But as a result of all of that, Individuals simply couldn't afford their daily cost of living. They couldn't afford their financial commitments, again, with little or no notice. And if people were concerned about their finances, could you help us with what further help there was out there? And and more generally, how did this change the jobs of of our Shoesmiths financial services lawyers? Well, uh, one of the greatest challenges that we faced was keeping up with government policy. In some cases, unheard of in in my industry, this policy was being issued over the weekend to try to keep up with the pace of change. So businesses themselves saw grants, loans and some temporary tax cuts and changes. There were five loan schemes, the bounce back loan scheme being the biggest, with the government providing a guarantee in the background. So a great deal of work was needed across the FS sector teams to be able to support our FS clients, to be able to provide these facilities safely 
securely and with a minimum of fraud. In the case of individuals, they saw increases to benefits, continued protection through furlough, and of course we saw other more targeted support for certain groups. Um, and was it also a challenge for clients to keep up with the policy, especially as it was changing quite frequently? It truly, truly was a profoundly difficult time for financial services businesses. They were obliged to be there in quotes for customers in difficulty, but they didn't have the staff readily on hand to do this. Guidance was issued by the FCA to certain key parts of the lending industry designed to make sure that the UK economy simply didn't collapse under widespread failure by individuals to maintain their financial commitments. We had temporary guidance, we had additional guidance, and we had final guidance and a good deal of speculation in between. And this caused huge pressure for the industry, in turn putting us, the Shoesmith lawyers, under pressure to have all of the answers. So the guidance offered protection for individuals with credit card debt, personal loans, buy now, pay later, motor finance, mortgages, amongst others. So was it a challenge for clients to keep up with policy? Profoundly so. And how, how did you have to adapt from how you were working only months before the pandemic started? For us, we had to adopt a very much get it done mentality. And quite frankly, it wasn't always perfect. Clients expected us to provide answers moments after guidance is issued. And this presented risks for both of us and our clients. The speed of decision-making was also paramount and certainly caused a great deal of concern. Speaking as somebody who's been doing this for a few years now, I would say that instinct played its part. Explaining why decisions were made became just as important as the decision itself. And are we out of the woods? Has, has the impact receded? In a word, no. In addition to the broader COVID-19 inquiry, the industry is generally good at self-introspection. Some very, very substantial work is underway through the FCA in monitoring the before, the during, and after impact of COVID-19 in the FS industry. In particular, picking two things, there were recent publications of results from an FCA Financial Live survey and an ongoing programme under the heading Borrowers in Financial Difficulty. Now, I would highlight that there's some crossover with the current cost of living crisis, but the impact of COVID is obvious and stark. And of course, there is work well underway across the industry in sweeping up some of the abuses of the schemes and protections given. Fraudulent claims, fraudulent loans were and remain a very real problem. And what are the positives, if any, coming from this? Personally, I suggest we're seeing accelerated innovation, accelerated positive change through the clever use of technology. And our commercial lawyers, as a consequence, are very busy. So given the financial crisis of 2008, which still doesn't feel that long ago, um, did it surprise you that the financial industry wasn't as prepared for the COVID pandemic, given that they'd gone through the, the financial recession of 2008? Or was it just two entirely different? I think they are two entirely different events in one lifetime. 
the earlier financial crisis was much more of a liquidity problem for the industry. This latter crisis was one more born out of headcount, pace of change, and the lack of resource to help deal with the problems. I, I can certainly remember advising some financial services clients around you know, what we would consider to be an everyday transaction in terms of consumers going into banks or you know, lenders going to meet consumers, whether that's in their homes or within their organisations, and all of that had to stop. And that presented such such a challenge. And with the industry guidance, as you say, changing so quickly and o- overnight, over weekends, um, we were getting up to speed with it just as much as as the industry was back then. Um, in terms of the main risks, are you, are you able to provide a comment on what the main risks perhaps you or your clients faced throughout the pandemic and how how they tried to control them at the time or was it just so fast paced? Um, the, the main risk wasn't necessarily getting it wrong. The main risk was uh, making a decision for the wrong reason. So in the consumer finance space, a lot of material which borrowers receive as regulated, prescribed, carefully written and presented in a certain way. The guidance required changes to process and procedure that were inconsistent with content that customers, consumers were required to receive. So we knew we were continuing to send content, which was not actually in line with the guidance. And so we had to decide how we explained why things weren't right. So it was about more about explaining than getting it wrong was the biggest risk. And was there a lot of interaction with um, the regulators and various associations in terms of embarking on this journey together? It was very much a solid united front in helping each other. I'm a big fan of the, broadly speaking, I'm a big fan of the trade bodies in our industry. I think they're very proactive. I think they're very visible. They're very vocal. And the industry together with trade bodies and lawyers of our caliber and similar all pulled together and it was rather impressive yes and in in a time as well where technology has never been so important how easy would you say it was for for you and your clients to adapt to the new measures that were introduced by the pandemic so obviously we're conscious that there's a lot of statutory obligation from the regulator in terms of um you know data protection um, and ensuring that financial information is safe and secure. So, you know, we look forward now three years on and we see innovation and technology and, and what we're dealing with now. But at the time when everything was so fast paced, how was it that clients dealt with that? The honest answer is poorly. <laughs> there just wasn't the headcount available to these businesses to keep the lights on for themselves, for their own staff never mind service customers. So there was a great deal of leniency shown at that time to make life a little bit easier. So instead of strictly adhering to the guidance and the recommendations and the rules, as long as decisions were made that were justifiable, fair and transparent, I think businesses had to go down that route rather than try and find technological solutions immediately. And in relation to the the financial outlook that that we're faced with now. I mean, it looked very bleak during COVID and now we're in another world where we've got interest rates that are high, trying to curb inflation. Is is that the long tail of COVID still continuing to adversely affect the industry or 
or is there light at the end of the tunnel? Are there now more opportunities that are going to flow from this current economic position? The FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority, has been very hands-on in recent years in trying to assess pre-COVID, during and post-COVID. The problem we have is that we're layering on top cost of living crises and um, global dispute, all of those factors. To answer your question, there is a long tail, but I think it is becoming increasingly difficult to distinguish it from the other current live challenges. COVID remains and has left a significant mark on people's financial uh, capacity. And we know that the UK COVID public inquiry, it's been set up to examine the UK's response to COVID, its impact and any lessons learned. So we'll start to hear some live evidence on, on module one in June later this year. COVID clearly has had a severe impact on the financial position of the UK. Um, and as I say, we'll hear evidence at the inquiry on that later. Are, are any of your clients active or any of the trade association or bodies that you mentioned earlier, are they active to your knowledge in the COVID inquiry or are they just watching this space to see how they may be involved in the future? Truth be told, they are active, but it's through other inquiries, other evidence gathering from their own regulators. So the Financial Conduct Authority has this ongoing borrowers in financial difficulty survey, uh, financial live surveys. So candidly, I think in my case, the financial services industry is already um, busy enough ascertaining COVID impact and building on, on a stronger future. I don't think they're necessarily yet focused on this subsequent inquiry. Thanks, Stephen. That concludes today's podcast and it's been fantastic having you. Uh, the live evidence for Module 1 starts in June and we at Shoesmiths will keep a watchful eye on all aspects of the inquiry and how it impacts our clients. We'll continue to report with articles, insights and more podcasts to come. So please do watch this space. Thank you.